Welcome to Dudes with Beards Podcast, episode 48. I am Joe, and joining me are my co-host, Matthew. Howdy. And Darren. Hello. Please visit dwbshow.com for all links. On this show, we'll be, we will be discussing the Netherlands researchers breaking the 30% barrier in solar cell efficiency, I think, was it? Was it? Uh, Tesla virtual power plant, Swiss a Swiss water battery, Matter smart home standard launches, NVIDIA GeForce RTX 4090, and the Samsung Odyssey Arc gaming monitor. We'll be drinking. You just finished a truth, right? Yeah. I just had a, uh, was it the radio? Radio Vision. Radio Vision from Warpwing. It was uh, an IPA, wasn't it? And then yours is also an IPA, so a couple locals. And then we also have a special release. So this is just dropped yesterday. So it's a day old. It's called Raswell. Um, it's from Warpwing Brewing in Dayton. It's a raspberry milkshake India pale ale. I don't know. I don't know if they've ever. I don't ever remember them doing a milkshake IPA. Do you? No. If they did, it would have been in a pilot series that you had to be at the brewery to find out. It's a six and a half percent, and it says 1947, New Mexico, a mysterious crash, weather balloon, or proof of extraterrestrial existence. Raswell, and out of this world. Raspberry Milkshake India Pale Ale made with lactose, creamy, soft, hazy, mm. an invasion of sweet, juicy raspberries. No conspiracy here. Yum. Pretty cool. And I'm assuming it's going to be red. Oh, I'll be so let down if it's not. I got two of them, Darren, if you want to. Dirty. Like a deep red. Hmm. I won't pour it all because I don't want Matt to get mad at me. Why? <clears throat> I don't know. He he got all cry that one time when I go, go a little bit more. Yeah, because you were split. You're gonna split one. It was either a can or a bottle, <laughs> and it was like, I'm gonna take most of this and give some to the guys. That's was, good. Because it was Thank delicious, you. that's why. Here, take the rest of it. Ooh, that's kind of... It doesn't, like, not a, not a strong nose as far as... Ra- raspberries usually don't smell really pronounced in most of the beers that we've had. It's, it's citrusy. I mean, it smells a little fruity to me. And the thing I like about it is it's... Because ra- raspberries, that, that hard fruit to use. Either it's over raspberry or not enough... And this is like right perfectly in the middle, I feel. It does not taste like it's a six and a half. It's very uh, sessionable for, I don't know, it's got that creamy. It's Are you getting like a weird aftertaste? Almost like a tart, little bit of a tart. Yeah, I feel the tart. I like but that could be the ra- from the raspberries. Yeah, that's from the raspberries, I would say. But it does have lactose. That's where we're getting the creaminess from. It's not bad. I would give it like a three eight. What do you guys think? You need to taste it some more? Well, I can't give it a 3.8, so I'll give it a 3.75. You can. You just can't do it in the app. Right. <laughs> uh, we've got a couple of other um, ones lined up here. Um, I've got a, I got a crowler with a C of uh, unseen circumstances. Or, I'm sorry, unseen creatures. I think they were out of Miami, Florida. Mm. Um, but it was a... 
It was a uh, a New England IPA, I think, seven point eight. So I, I, they had two on on under uh, tap. I tried one and I got this other one, the Crowlet. <clears throat> and then this one I've had for a couple of weeks. Um, I got it at BC's as well. It was a single. It's called Pipeworks Donut Chop. It's an imperial stout with coconut, coffee, cacao, vanilla, and lactose. And it is 10%. So that'll be a good one. Let that thing warm up a little bit. So we've been on hiatus for almost four months. Taking the, took the summer off, you know. Figured after two years, we deserved a little bit of a break. Lots of vacations. Been busy with work, covering some extra accounts and things like that. So it was good. I enjoyed it. Kind of, I feel refreshed and reset and like, you know, been get, uh, getting that itch to, to start the podcast again. So it's been good. Um, I know you guys have, you guys have been vacationing and stuff. I did, I didn't go, I, I did go to a company event in San Francisco uh, convention, but um, outside of that, I haven't really been traveling, but you guys, you guys went on vacations. Mm-hmm. Where'd you guys go? Did I go on vacation? You went to North Carolina or yeah, whatever. I think you went there. With- yeah, with uh, was that during the break? Yeah, yeah, yep. it was uh, July, August. Yeah, no, no. I went to Gatlinburg in Gatlinburg for the June. dance competition. It was after our last. It was yeah. after our last show. I think yeah. it was North the Carolina end, end was uh, spring break. Oh, that was spring break. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you guys stayed in the cabin, right? In Gatlinburg, yeah. Yeah, because I think it was like uh, like a week or two after our last podcast, Probably. the end yeah. of June, maybe. Yeah, it was hot. Good lord, it was so hot down there, but it wasn't humid, so it was nice. But that was my only vacation. Megan and Madison got to go to North Carolina that's for the, that's for that's the right. week to see. Yeah, like you, you, st- you were you were here. Yep. You worked though, didn't you? You didn't. You, you were. You oh, were I worked. Yeah. Yeah, because we went to lunch the one day. Yeah. Yep. We went to Jungle Gems. We tried out the little thing in the back, the Bourbon House thing, the Bourbon Room for Jungle Gems. Oh yeah, the, Oscar um, Station. Oscar oh Station. my lord! What, why did that take forever? Because you said it's only open on certain days, right? Thursday. Thursday. But it was cool. They had um. I don't know if we ever told you they had, so they got a huge like that patio is, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's probably as big as like the liquor beer section on the back of. It's got to be a couple hundred feet by. I mean, it's 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 probably like a half of a football field. Mm-hmm. But it's uh covered, and then they had a DJ. Um, were they doing like some kind of trivia or something? I don't remember. But they were they had a guy with a table set up smell, selling cigars. You could smoke out there. Then they had the beer and food inside. It was it's pretty and cool. Corn, cornhole outside. A cornhole, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to go back there and check it out before. I wonder if they if they stop doing it when it gets cold. Uh, or if it they looked kind of like a four season. It looked like they, maybe they could enclose it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You went on a couple trips? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went to uh, Maryland like we do every year. Yep. But you said it might be the last year? <sighs> maybe. I mean, they that said was, that last year, though. That was the 20th year, so... <laughs> Oh, this was yeah. the 20th? Yeah. It's actually, it was technically the 21st one, uh-huh. but it was the 20th year of it, just the way it was. Oh. The first the first one was actually like a uh, birthday party more ah. than it was the, the oh. reunion. So and it kind of turned into that. Yeah. So I've been there almost, I think that was my 13th year wow. down there. So, and then... With the devastation of uh, our first vacation, it was it was really it was awesome to go there and see. But after the hurricane, 
we went to Sanibel Island. After the hurricane? No, we, we went there before. before. Yeah, so yeah. we got to see. Because you were there in August, right? Uh, no, it was a. Uh, got you a fly. Got <laughs> you a fly friend. Uh, <clears throat> we went. When, when did we go there? Was it in June? It was Father's Day. Oh, okay. I was, was there. I was June. there for Father's Day again. So uh, it was beautiful. Sanibel Island was beautiful. And then it got destroyed. And now it's destroyed. Like destroyed. Yeah, it was bad. So Sanibel Island, uh, one of the, the guys I work with, his parents have a house in Fort Myers, so he went down there. Well, Sanibel Island has Captiva at the top of it, which is like the richie richie section of Sanibel Island, like, you know, multi million dollar homes and, and whatnot. So the hurricane hit so hard that Sanibel Island and Captiva are not connected anymore. Wow. So, that's crazy. Yeah. And all that stuff is now just like in an island all to itself. Like you can't get I, to that I, at all. I don't. Well, the 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 Causeway Bridge that goes that you have to go to get out there. Washed away. It's gone. It? Hmm. Like gone. Like they're helicoptering people back out. And forth. Uh, or unless you got, or if you got a boat, I guess yeah. you can get back and forth. But yeah, but there's most of the boats are all piled up on top. I mean, there's going to be billions of dollars <sighs> worth of of just boat damage. I mean, because some of those. Boats that are out there all be these huge yachts that, you know. <clears throat> so yeah, it was That's crazy. It it's sad to see. I mean, I got some I got some good footage of the of the island with my drone, which I need to before yeah, be, when you were there. When June. we were there and then you hmm. know, just to just to see some of the footage that I've seen afterwards is just devastating. I was I was I heard some something I don't know if it's true, but somebody was saying that a lot of insurance companies won't insure against hurricanes or flooding because of that that area so i was like so, that's what? crazy yeah because it's so you're self-insuring at that point i guess or you're relying on fema or uh, federal ooh. funds so or, when we were when when we were at uh sanibel uh i met these people that lived in miami and they're actually they're actually they were actually staying at a, a con the same condo we were in but they ran it for two months because they sold their house in Miami because they were moving into a house in Orlando. And she said uh, she was talking about how much her house insurance was. If you wanted that coverage. No. So when they lived in Miami, her house insurance was like, I don't know, like six or $7,000 a year because you had to have hurricane damage on it. Hmm. And then her house in Orlando was like a thousand dollars a year, because you didn't. Because you didn't have to have it, because you're so far inland. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. So, um, what else has been going on in the last? One? There's, there's so much I can't even remember it all. Like, I got a new gaming monitor. I got the new QD OLED for Alienware. Uh, it's crazy. Like comparing it next to the old one. How much HDR makes it? How much mm -hmm. of a difference HDR makes in the stuff that it's supported? Um, I, I need to get some. Now that it's cooling off and the yard works is subsiding, I need to get some more gaming time in. That's my that's my goal for the rest of the year. Got a new puppy. The gizmo. Got a French bulldog. I wanted a French bulldog for a long time, but I just yeah. I mean, it wasn't any like I need to have one like right now. And then you know, Maddie passing away in March. 
I honestly didn't think I, we, we were like, we're not getting any more dogs. Like, we're done. And then I was like, you know, as the few months went by, and I was like, man, I don't know. I was, I, she, April was like, I'm like, we're not getting any more pets. And I was like, I'm not going to say never. <laughs> and then when I when I went and saw him, and uh, I was like, yep, that's all it took. Should have never went and seen him. But, uh, yeah, he's six months, a little over six months old now. So He's a riot. He's a riot. Oh, but my gosh. His big his big brother Yoshi is teaching him the ropes. I mean, he's so good. like he goes to the back door when he needs to go out now. He barely ever goes in the house at all. Um, he's up and down the steps fine now. He's like he he still gets his little spazziness and he wants to gets the zoomies and uh, wants to aggravate his older brother who's almost twenty. But that's just puppy. Yeah. Other than that, and uh, you know, he he was he's he's he was humping everything for about a week. <laughs> But he's he's calming down already, so hopefully it was just a phase and he'll he'll get through it in a, in a month or two. But because I don't want to get him fixed until he's a year old, just because I've even talking to my vet, they said you know a lot of people will do that for smaller breeds just because they don't their growth plates aren't fully formed and everything until around one and even even longer than a year. Um, and there's no female dogs around us, so you know he's not going to be having to worry about that. So. Don't you have a fly shotgun somewhere? I do. We're going to have to get it because this thing is driving me <laughs> For nuts. Persistent. Why is he not going around you, Darren? He was. He was laying, he was laying on arms and I was going to smack it, but I was like, I didn't want to do it right in the middle of Darren speaking. So. <laughs> He's like all over my face, like crawling on my face. <laughs> Probably because he knows I'll go, shoe fly, don't bother me. Oh, is that <laughs> all it fly. takes? You got to sing Sorry. it. You got to sing it, though. I know. He, he don't get it. So what 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 else you guys been up to? Come on, think hard. I can't think of anything. You haven't been up to anything? No? Not really. I mean, just loving on that babe. Yeah, because you haven't... I'm trying to think of projects, but... I haven't really been doing anything. Yeah. yeah it's, been, it's just been sending lots of TikToks every day. Yeah. <laughs> when you can't go outside and work because you got to wait for your wife to get home to take care of the kids. Yeah. I'm sure you're thinking some stuff as we go along. <sighs> but uh, it's good to be back. And uh, you know, coming up on 50, we'll have to think, what are we going to do for 50, guys? Uh-huh. We're going to stream it? Yeah. Maybe yeah. to Facebook or something. But uh, from interestingengineering.com, we have the Netherlands research. Netherlands researchers break the 30% barrier in solar cells. So, Four terminal periscite silicon photovoltaic designs helped them in their cause. And uh, so the tandem cell developed. So it's a tandem cell, which, so it's got a traditional layer of, you know, silicone. Then they have their new uh, periscite layer, but it can let the light that it can't use pass through to that traditional layer. So now that's how they get their increased efficiency. Um, which, you know, you think 30%, like, come on, like, we're only 30%, but I think what is the traditional ones, like 19, 20? Yeah, so it's it's a pretty big jump as far as solar yeah. is concerned. Um, so it says a collaboration of researchers from various institutes in the Netherlands broke the 30% barrier associated with solar cells. Um, it will help worldwide solar energy and to reduce our dependence on fossil fuels. We're going to press release. Um it says most commercially available solar panels top out at 22% energy convergent efficiency, 
I, th- I think that's what the Tesla solar panels were too. Even the new ones, right? They were just bigger. Um, yeah. And it says uh, to do so, researchers in the Netherlands came together to create four terminal uh, periscite silicon tandem devices. A tandem device can better use solar spectrum since it uses a mix of silicon-based solar cells with the periscite-based solar cells. While the former works well with light in the visible and infrared spectrum, the periscite can use wavelengths in the ultraviolet and visible light while being transparent to infrared light. In a four-terminal tandem device, the top and bottom cells can operate independently, allowing bifacial tandems to be used, further boosting the power output of the architecture. So that means even if you don't have the one type of light, the other one can still operate. So, yeah, it won't be as efficient, but you won't get zero coming out of it, potentially. Mm. Uh, In the press release, they talked about the improved efficiency of a semi-transparent periscite cell with an area of 3 by 3 square millimeters, um, up to 19.7%. Below this is a silicon solar cell, which was a 20 by 20 square millimeter wide um, piece. The tandem device also had highly transparent back contact that allowed 93% of the near-infrared light to reach the bottom of the device. That's, I mean, that's awesome. Um, the silicon device was optimized using a host of features, and its efficiency approved to 10.4%. Together with the periscite solar cell, the device delivered a combined energy conversion efficiency of 30.1%, making it the best efficiency achieved so far. I See, mean, it was misleading to me because... When you just kind of read the headline, you think of the way we structure solar now. Right. We're getting 22%. Right. I thought they came out with a new means of doing the energy production. But But I mean, you're kind of, but you're kind of, you're not cheating, but you're just layering stuff. So, So now you get 30, but you added a layer to it. Like, but they also said this layer. By being able to do this, that this way they can lower the cost of solar panels. I don't understand. Like, I mean, I guess it's it, they lower the cost because you need less panels to right. create the same amount of energy. Right. But think about this. Like on a cloudy day, you might not have that that power you need through the normal cell. Yeah. But because you can have this other wavelength, because you're seeing you're, you're more seeing, spectrum, you're seeing more spectrum. So you're you're, you're still e- generating something. Even if yeah. you're even if you're generating nine, you know, you're still getting something that day. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder because like, if you go down, like there was another article below this one. Yeah, I did. They were talking about the. I guess these um, these periscite cells are really fragile. Um, for whatever reason, uh, maybe that's the material they're made out of. It didn't say, but so maybe that's why they were looking. That why they started work messing with combining them is to make them stronger because they were they you know they were just weren't um, you know resilient enough by themselves. So yeah, think about how long solar solar has been around, okay, and how long it's been building up to something revolutionary i mean because of this who who says that they can't put this i mean and we've seen articles way back 10 years ago or so oh we can put it in window glass or the film and and the film and 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 all this stuff so 
having another layer that maybe they might be able to do would open up another company go, Oh, well they can use this. Well, I want to make this product so that I could in- integrate this into that product. And then, yeah. and, 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 you know, solar panels are expensive right now. I mean, yeah. everything's expensive right now just because thanks COVID. And, <laughs> but I would love to have solar panels on my house, but the problem is, is storage. Wait for it. Storage. That's it. Yeah. Storage, which we have another article, I think, right. talking about the Tesla. And we've been talking about like microgrid and miniature grids and, and neighborhood grids. Like we've been talking about that for a long time, but like it's, it's happening. What? Hear me out. What if you could somehow do what's in one of our other articles about the water energy storage? Yeah, that would be cool. So Matt, you're gonna, science. you're going to make energy <laughs> from your solar panels and excess energy that you're not going to use. Use it to pump the water. It's going to pump the water. And that's what they're doing. Or what? You pump, you'd have to pump it into like a tower. Water. He's tank. got the room. <laughs> that's true. So they could come up with many. Tower energy ball thing. We do. What? Your own overtime. I, I think combination of all these technologies is what we need. And but the battery storage piece, which we've talked about a lot, it's it's finally coming to fruition. Like different kinds of batteries, the the lead. I think it was the 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 ones the lead ones that were like the really big like refrigerator size ones and. Um, yeah, I think we're finally, it's finally coming. We're getting there. Um, but this is cool. Like, they they aren't mass producing it yet, but they said that they're, that's the next step is to work on how they can mass produce these cells. And, and they, but they need to be, they can't be like twice as expensive or nobody's going to buy them. So. Well, they said it was going to lower the cost of it just because they don't have to put as much material, material in the regular one. Oh, uh, okay. Because this is that. offsetting the, it's it's equaling out so they can put this and this together mm. and have a cheaper solar cell. It's a dry hop. But but is that gonna be don't we have some kind of initiative and like that's why we had to get stop getting solar panels? Oh remember that, the tariff yeah, thing? The, yeah, the, yeah, the tariff. tariff. I think that's been I think they resolved that. Okay. I, I think. But here here's also the other problem, like where I live, I, I, I have a co op. I don't have Duke or, or or any, you know, Florida Power Light, whatever. So I have a co-op. I legally cannot have solar panels that sell back to the grid. Oh, they don't allow it. So you need the water power thing. But if I have, if I produce more, then I have to go out of the co-op into a different co-op, which is like a national co-op that... Co-op. A co-op. co-op into a co-op mm. so it, it kind of goes like well I, could be, I i would love to become energy efficient i mean because i mean yeah. that's that's the ultimate goal or be able to participate in like this microgrid thing right like yeah we don't need it as much as california but maybe yeah i mean eventually like it's not gonna like in 10 years it's when it's like 110 degrees out in august like no, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, it's cool. I think it's gonna be cool technology. What, Matt? You got something? What else you got? Let's see. I'm just wondering what your neighbors do. 
Oh yeah, do, they don't have battery storage, though, do they? They do not have any battery storage, so, and, and, they, and they can't sell. They, they, I guess they they're making just enough energy that yeah, but they, don't, they don't they don't have a hundred and twenty <laughs> plus smart devices running all the time. And, so they don't need it. And this and that and, and a, a a small you know cloud server and and yeah. you know I mean my my average bills data are, center networking setup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, but you know I. I don't have what they have. They're homesteaders, so they don't use the energy that they don't need as big of a big of a generation. Right, and you know panels. her highest bill last year was like twenty dollars. That's cool, but they are they are not selling anything back. Then. Right, but they they also had that twenty thousand dollar investment to have to that. Get the panels. So, but if they added storage, I mean, I don't know. But it would, I mean, if they, if they're, depending on how long they're going to live there, I guess right. it would pay for itself. But that, that sucks that they won't let you do net metering or anything. It's just part of the co op, man. Mm. That's just how it is. Next up from electric.co um, Tesla's virtual power plant had its first event helping the grid. Looks like the future. I, we, we talked about this before, I, I think, if not directly, indirectly for sure. Um, but basically, and this is only in California, but they're—I think they said they're getting ready to do it in Texas as well. Um, there, through the Tesla app, if you have Tesla Solar, Tesla Power Walls, battery storage, and as far as I'm as far as I'm aware, this was only for Tesla stuff. Like mm-hmm. it could didn't work for anything else. Um, they are participating with the local power companies, and I think it was um, they're, they're listed in here. We'll get to that. But basically, when they know they're going to need. And so we talked about peaker plants. I don't know, episode 10, maybe. Like, I know we remember. It's been a while. Um, so a peaker plant, so when whenever there's extra demand on the energy grid, they fire up these coal peaker plants or maybe some other kind of powered peaker plants that help supplement the energy needed during, like, in the middle of the day. Everybody's coming home from work. They're turning on the air conditioner. They're cooking food. It's just supplemental. Like, they run for a short period of time. Because it's very hard to ramp up, like, the major productions, uh, whether it's hydro, coal, natural gas. Like, they can, but only so much. These peaker plants will help offset that, and but they're very, very expensive. So what Tesla is doing is, like, hey, we can form these microgrids. So anybody that has solar and power walls, you, opt, you can opt into it. You don't have to do it. Um, but you opt into this, and then they'll send out an event saying, hey, uh, we're going to need extra power from 2 to 6 p.m. on this day uh, because of the weather or whatever. And you can actually, each time they send you that uh, that uh, notice, you can say, no, I don't want to participate or fine, you know, you just let it go. But then that now they're getting like $2 per kilowatt for anything that they provide back to the grid. Right. So they're actually getting paid for it, which I think initially it was just a testing thing. They weren't getting anything for yeah, it. Yeah, but it's still cool that that, yeah. that they're able to do that. I mean... On, on one hand, you're like, okay, and, and and it comes to, you know, like Tesla robo-taxis and stuff like that, too, where you can let your yep. car automatically go out. Yeah, is it putting wear and tear on something that you've installed in your house for your house? Mm. Yeah, but are you going to still be using, using it anyways? So you'd be doing that wear and tear anyways. But True. it's just a really cool idea because, I mean – Back when we were growing up in the 80s and, and whatnot, you were like, oh, rolling blackouts happening in, in California. Yeah. And you really don't hear about that as much nowadays. 
and and I think some of it's all set from the solar the and, peaker, and the, the peaker, peaker the, the peaker plants and stuff. and stuff like that. So this is yeah. a cool idea because you know the average person that that let's say you don't use all your battery storage in a day, then then you'd be perfect for this thing. I mean, it would be cool just to even be into yeah. that just just well, to see what you can put into it. What I'm wondering, and maybe it's this is for a later point in the article, is like. When are they going to allow the cars to participate? Because the cars are like four or five times what a right. Powerwall is. Did yeah. we figure that up? The, I yes. think the Powerwall is like seven kW usable. And then most, even the even the smallest car battery is what sixty or seventy. Like an older generation Model S. Yeah. yeah. And most of them are eighty and or up. Like, yeah, like some my, of them. My car is eighty-two. Your car is eighty-two. Yeah. So like you're talking about ten Powerwalls almost, right? Now that one guy that you, the TikTok you sent me, he had the mega power walls. Like it was like yeah, a, the stackable one. How many were those? Ten, ten. I don't even oh. know what those were, but it was know. like half the size of an. Like, like why don't just why don't you why don't they just make a bigger power wall? I don't get it, but, um, like, when are they gonna let let us plug the cars in and feed back in? That's what I want to know, because that's a huge amount of battery storage. And and they would it would but. A lot of people that it wouldn't really work for. Well, I get. Just depends know. on if you needed to drive or not. Right, but or you, you could, you or you could just unplug the car if you didn't want it to. Right, and participate. you don't, and you don't drive that much, right. so your yeah. your battery stays charged up. Yeah, or you could say only use, don't let my car go below fifty percent or sixty percent. Right. You know, like there's they could do that through the software through the app. It isn't part of the limitation the infrastructure of your it could be charging to yeah. your house yeah. because if, I only have a sixty amp breaker. Going yeah. to my charger, but if but if they're putting in the solar and the power walls, why don't they have as part of that system? Because now they're making their own inverters and right, stuff yeah. too. Why don't they have? They could just say, okay, we're just going to put a Tesla charger right off of that too. That can also feed back in if you plug it into your car. Like, well, I mean, yeah, in that instance, for sure. Like, yeah, why, why are not they do doing that? that? Like, it's that it can't be that hard. I, I'm sure it'll be coming. I mean, here here's the bad thing. You would ha- even if you didn't have a power wall and you wanted to use your car, okay, you'd have to have. It needs to be plugged into something that could be regulated, right? Like a transfer switch, yeah. because you can't. It can't just, just be the regular charger. You can't just have your your battery power. What, what going back what, to the normal panel? What is the voltage that that the Teslas run off of? Forty eight. Mine's forty eight amps. If it's forty. No, 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 no. Oh, it's what? Uh, what is the battery? Tr- Six, oh, the car 600, battery? 600. Like, my volt? long range is 600. Yeah, 600 volts? Yeah. I think the, in, okay. I think the new batteries so, might be different, but, the, yeah, ours are 600. So you can't take 600 volts and, tr- you and gotta dump have, it you gotta, in. you got to have so, a converter. So there has to be a converter. Or well, inver- inver- are you going to spend, let's say, $2,000 just so you can but hook it, it up to make but isn't $20? There, isn't there one already in this system when they put them in? Isn't there some kind of... In this, in this... But that's what I'm saying. But, but if you don't have... Yeah, 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 yeah. If you yeah. don't have solar and, and that's what I'm wall, saying. Only if, like, if you're getting solar in a power wall system, yes. they should also give you a connection to that to plug in a car right. to feed back in. Right. That, that I mean, it now can't with be, that being said, spend the two thousand dollars for a you know a switchover. Yeah. Transfer the, switch. Transfer yeah. switch. But I, if I, think, I could, if I, think I could pay someone two thousand right dollars right now to be able to use your car, use my car. And the event, power. Uh, power goes out. Only have certain things mm-hmm. powered on, you know, because again, I only have a 60 amp breaker. Mm-hmm. You know, I have 6 3 wire going back to the panel. Mm-hmm. It's only going to support so much. 
But if I could pay two grand to have my car power the house and have certain lights and stuff on, well, I mean, I that's would, what that's because what the that's, lightning basically does. That's cheaper than. But you have. But to, you got to buy that. You got to buy that. And that's kit. and that's what you, that's exactly why you were saying. Right. Like yeah. you have to have. You have to have the, the right, right setup equipment. Right. Yep. But that's what I'm saying. Like when they install the inverter, because you buy this as a kit, you buy the you can't even buy a power wall unless you have Tesla solar. In yeah. in most states, in, unless you go through some third th- third party or secondhand, you get it secondhand. But uh, they won't even sell you a power wall unless you're getting Tesla solar. But like, I don't understand why more more companies aren't building their own power walls. I, I think we're probably going to see it now that this stuff's like be, be becoming popular, like especially with the car manufacturers now that they're making EVs like Ford and stuff. So. If you have this, if you're getting this Tesla Solar with the Tesla Power Walls, and you're going to get the Tesla Inverter, I mean, why would you get another? Why would you get anybody else's? As part of that inverter, they sh- they should just add a module or another component as an option, to where you would have a regular Tesla charging plug with the 20 foot cable or whatever it is that you could plug a car in to f- help feed. I mean, or have it coming off the Power Walls in some way, shape, and, or form. I and don't I know. guarantee you, they could write. Right, software yeah. that would say, "Oh man, okay, yeah. don't I mean, let my car you go." Seen, you've seen the screenshots below. of what they were doing right. with this. Thirty percent. Yeah, it's it, it's easy to do. I mean, I'm not saying it's it's not trivial, but I'm just saying, like with what they've already done, that is not a hard thing for them right. to do. Um, but anyway, getting back to the article, so they've been testing this. They they've had all these people sign up to be participants, but they just had their first emergency response right. event. Um, for this and this was August 18th was the the date of the article so um about a month and a half ago um so I don't know if they've had more since then or not but basically um they pull the power they pull the power from the power walls if anybody that's opting in and like I said they send out this notice and they can choose to participate or not um and instead of using the peaker plants they're using the the microgrid from the power walls and whatever if you want um, and like I said, this, this was all voluntary. They're not making anybody do it. Um, so it says following the pilot program, Tesla and PG and E, which is one of the electric suppliers in California, um, Northern California launched the first official virtual power plant through the That's Tesla so cool. app in June. Um, this new version of the Tesla virtual power plant actually compensates Powerwall owners $2 per kilowatt hour that they contribute to the grid during emergency load reduction events. Events Homeowners are expected to get between 10 and 60 per event, because it depends on how long it lasts. Uh, earlier this week, this week we, report, we reported that uh, Tesla's California VPP expanded to Southern California Edison SCE. So now there's two different suppliers that are uh, participating, which will cover most of the state, they said. And it's like, so just days later after this actually went live, they had their first event. Um, Tesla reached out to Powerwall owners who opted into the program through the app to warn them, hey, this is coming. And then they gave them the option to opt out if they needed to keep the Powerwalls for themselves and they didn't want to participate in the event. And then they've got a couple of screenshots um, of what this looks like. So you got the virtual power plant. And this is actually like if you're looking at the Tesla app on your phone, so you see where it says, um, and this is because there was two different electric companies participating. That's why there's two different, you see the two different screens, I guess. So on the left, this is someone's house that they're they're looking at their app. But it tells you how many homes are, are 
participating. They have 2,345 homes that were participating. And that's awesome, though, just yeah. to have that many people just opt into it automatically. It's kind of crazy says, that many homes have um, Powerwall. Scheduled event, so five a, August 17th, 5 a.m., which I wonder. That's weird. Oh, so 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. is when... Um, it was scheduled for. Yeah, so it looks like it starts at 5 a.m., ends at 9 p.m. Okay, if you look on the right screen. But the schedule says start charging at 5 a.m., start discharging at 6 p.m. So so they're they're building up the power wall to yeah. be ready for the event because yeah. they know it's going to be either they're, they're reserving hot that the power. day yeah. Or, or... Yeah, so I'm assuming it was because, yeah, it was a really hot day or something. Um. And it, and it says, you know, you will be compensated for your Powerwall's contribution to the grid during the event. Increase your backup reserve to to limit discharge. Yeah, so there's like they're giving them the warning. They're giving them the chance to opt in or opt out. Adjust their settings if need be. Yeah, and if you like, yeah, so you can right there it says opt out of the event or dismiss but if you want to. Like the only downfall that I can see of this is, let's say this is happening when um, – they're having the big wildfires out there and the wild, the wildfires are cutting out your sunlight to a certain extent. Yeah. So you still, they could probably still get a little bit of, of solar production mm -hmm. to charge up these power walls. But I mean, that's only a certain time of the year. That's the only real downfall I can see mm. to something like this. Yeah. But I guess, and I don't know for sure because we didn't, we didn't really see it as if, once you say okay, I'm, 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 I'll participate, but at some point, can you go in and say okay, I don't want to participate it, it, anymore? It said in there that you that per event it. you can go yes or no. But I wonder if, once it started though, if you can stop it after well, you it can started. Set a, I'm I mean, I guess sure, you I'm could, pretty sure it said in here that that it said you can set your limit okay. to don't discharge below passes, a certain that, okay. below this. Then I guess point. that's a, if right. yeah, if you know like I hate or you just don't participate at all if you know that you need that for or potentially might need that. Yeah, because it might be happening in your area and you need your yeah. power wall to provide you power. So there was a couple of tweets um, during the event. So so like I said, there was two different uh, electricity providers. So the SCE one looks like there was like uh, two hundred and sixty eight homes. They were generating 1,535 kilowatt hours. Um, That's awesome. And then the other one, the PG&E, was 2,342, and they were generating 16 megawatts. That is crazy. Back to the grid. It's just so it's, – it's cool that we even have the technology to be able to do this. But it makes complete sense, especially if as more people get solar and battery storage. I wonder how many – power walls equate to that big battery pack like they have in Australia. Oh, yeah. I don't and know. the one they're installing the or pack, have installed in megapacks. California. Yeah, the mega packs. Like, how many power walls is that? I don't know. Because, I mean, this is essentially just right. a, a mega pack that's just spread out over, you know, towns and or whatever. Well, I think this is like... Like I said, I, I, I seen this, and then I seen some other things saying that they're going to start doing this in, in Texas next. Um, and, I mean, eventually they could do it wherever people have the uh, Tesla solar and Tesla um, battery storage. Right, because, I mean, where we live, this But this you would need us. I, really I, I would say a... you would need – I mean, that one was pretty small, 238 or whatever. Like, I would say you would need at least a couple of hundred people before you would want to offer it 
um, right. to the energy supplier. Well, yeah, because you wouldn't offset enough to. Right. But but who says that this technology won't open up other avenues down the road? Yeah, I mean, because almost all this is software based. Yeah, and saying okay, so yeah, and that ties into our next article, to where we're starting to set a standard for smart home. And then once everything gets to that standard, it might just pull straight into, okay, we can interconnect all this. And yeah. and Tesla is Powerwall right now. Yeah. I, I, I personally don't know of any other companies other than you building your own yourself yeah. to, yeah, I don't to know create something either. like this. And I could <clears throat> never, I, I would, I could never drop that much money. I think, for Generac, a I think Generac might be starting to do it. See, because I would have I would have a generac generator at yeah. my house, but I don't have natural gas, so oh. I'm not I'm not running a propane tank that I have to run for an hour every month, and throw that money away just to to keep it tested. Why don't you have natural gas out there? There's no lot, no because uh, nobody's ran it. Duke's not ran natural uh, gas out that way. So you have fiber, but you don't have natural gas. Well, I have fiber because of my <laughs> my co-op, my electricity co-op. Butler Rule paid yeah. paid Cincinnati Bell to do that. To do it. So that's the only reason I have fiber there's, out there's, that far. There's no benefit for anyone to run natural gas out there. So Generac has the they call it the PWR cell, so the power cell. That is their um Power wall. Nine so, kilowatts of continuous backup power. So I guess a little bit more than a so traditional what, power so, power so, wall, unless it's the mega ones around that, does maybe. It, does it show a cost, or do you have to send an email to? Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're going to get like 10,000 calls when you sign up for more information. Yeah, I don't know. didn't say. But, they, like, that's good. We, we need more. Like, But we need, a sta- we need it to be standardized. Yeah, but Generac so. is also a huge. They've been around for a long time, right. too. Yeah, so you got the load management. Oh, they got like more power. So they've got like ones you can add on home, home backup, outdoor rated, and then the actual generator that would run off of. I guess is it natural? Can they? Can, don't they have natural gas and propane ones? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I'll let you shoot my arm if it lands on me. I swear. <laughs> yeah, just don't shoot my face. You can shoot my arm or my shoulder. Well, he was or... on, he was on the laptop hmm. earlier, and I was like. Man, I don't want to shoot oh, he's on your head now. I know. I'll shoot you in the head. <laughs> <laughs> on, with man. the salt gun. With the salt gun. It's just salt, people. Oh, Give me the gun. Here we go. All right, now he went away. He keeps seeing that shotgun pulled out. He's like, oh. <laughs> Get out of here. From techspot.com, Swiss water battery with 20 million kilowatt hours of capacity is finally functional. After 14 <laughs> years, they've been building this thing. I mean, basically, that's because they had to build this dam, I think, right? I mean, it shows this picture. Is that animated or is that like no, I think that's real just because it's – but basically, they had to build this dam – which I guess that's why it took so long, I'm thinking. But it says it's taken Switzerland two, is that two billion euros yeah. 
in 14 years, but the county's under underground water batteries now complete and operational. The project took so long to complete in part because workers had to tunnel. That's right. I remember reading this now. They had to tunnel through more than 11 miles of the Swiss Alps to be able to make it to where it would pump. Wow. Um, a hydro battery is comprised of two large bodies of water at different heights. In this instance, they are located nearly 2,000 feet below ground between the Emerson and Veux. Em- yeah, I'm probably not yeah. pronouncing any one of those like dams in Velias. Yeah. Uh, excess energy can be used to pump water from the lower bays into the higher pool. When power demand increases, water in the higher pool is allowed to flow back down through the reservoir. As it flows, it spins turbines, which generate hydroelectric power. I mean, it makes complete sense. And and what was it? A couple episodes ago, we were talking about that. God, what was it? Basically, it was they were going uphill using the battery. Yeah, power here's the animation. Did you watch this? Back oh, down. like from the trucks or something? Was it from the there? trucks? Oh, yeah. Did you watch this? Yeah, I watched that. It so it looks cool. like they had to tunnel through that mountain to build this. I mean, I guess that's why. I mean, that's crazy. 11 miles they had to dig through. I, the, I like how they put in the uh, solar. The, the little sun. Yeah. Going to the solar panels. So basically, the, the idea is when they're producing excess solar or wind or whatever energy during the day that, that would normally not be used and go to waste, they will use it to drive the pump that will pump the water from the lower basin up to the higher pool. And then when they need that power at night or whatever, they'll allow it to drain back down, turn the turbines, and then that would um, give them, that would feed the power plants. I mean, it's, it's super cool. Yeah. But it's like, that it took a long time. Like, well, I mean, we I got, guess, I guess there's probably other ways you could do it cheaper or faster, but, you know, they, they were, it was in a mountain. But I mean, you got to have the body of water. Well, or, or you have to have the, ar- the, the artesian well like we have here because right down the road from you, you pump it up. Yeah, you could pump you it up to a, a water a, tower. Well, too. no, this is a that's a natural gas powered. Is that what from the? Yeah, right there on Cincinnati okay. Dayton. That's a natural gas powered because we have an abundance of natural gas right. here, but it brings in water, which turns the turbine, which they turn in the steam from the natural gas to pre produce all the power here. Hmm. I didn't know they were using the water. Yeah. That's wow. Cool. I mean, it's super cool. Like, you could definitely do this on a smaller scale if you needed to for, like, uh, I mean, if you had something like this close to you. It's great. I mean, yeah, it's it's a water battery. It's just crazy. Um, kind of. It just goes to show you, though, how much wind and solar they have there. Right. That yeah. they can produce more than what's needed for the nearby city. That excess power goes to pump the water. Yeah. You know, and just, yeah, but... The process just, you know, continually. Either either we shared an article about that Dutch guy that was that went there because they were like 90% EV. EV was it? Oh, was it the Netherlands or? Yeah, the Netherlands. Or was it, or, yeah, was I think it Swiss? Was, I think it was the Netherlands. I can't remember. Yeah, it was like, that was the last episode, wasn't it? I think it was. Oh, no, that was four months ago. Like either 46 or 47. <laughs> Yeah, it says the power plant features six pump turbines that can generate 900 megawatts of power. That's crazy. The facility was constructed and is capable of storing 20 million kilowatts of electricity, which should help stabilize Switzerland's energy grid. It takes roughly 20 hours to empty out the reservoir, they're told. 
Um, mm. renew- renewable energy enthusiasts have been doing a lot of outside-the-box thinking as of late. Uh, last month, the researchers from the International Institute of Applied Systems Analysis shared plans for a gravity-based system that would use elevators in high-rise buildings to generate and store electricity. Days ago, we learned that a company in Finland has created a battery that uses sand to store electricity as heat. Like, I want to know so more about that. I wonder what, if it takes 20 hours to transfer down, what does it take? To I mean, because I guarantee you they'd never deplete that to 100%. Yeah. So mm-hmm. wonder what the, the offset is. And, and, I mean, they're going to lose some energy because of... Yeah, but if they're using solar or wind that otherwise wouldn't be, it's it, right because it's you know during the day they're they're supplying it to the grid, and if the demand doesn't need all of it, because you can't really control how much wind and solar you get Correct. all the time, there's going to be some waste unless you have battery storage, which this is kind of their battery storage right. on a massive scale. Um, but they could offset it with traditional battery storage too. If I, you know, once those technologies catch up, but heck, they started this 14 years ago. So, yeah. I mean, who who was thinking about this 14 years ago? From TheVerge.com, Matter 1.0 is finally finalized. So what's next? So we talked about this. Heck, I don't even remember what it was. You'd have to go back and search it. But it's a new standard for home automation. Uh, it's a new platform, basically, that all of these companies came together. And they agreed that they're going to use this new standard so that all these devices can actually talk to each other. And the cool thing is, is like they can do it with a bridge, without a bridge. They can, like, even some of the existing stuff you might already have can be potentially upgraded to this new mesh system, this new standard that can support these new devices. And the cool thing is now that the the official specification has been released, they said that we can see devices as soon as a month or two which is pretty cool. Um, so it's, it's it's basically a new smart home standard. And it's not going to cover every type of device in the beginning, but it will cover like the bigger ones. So thermostats, light bulbs, smart speakers, smart displays, door locks, I think. Yeah, but then some of the things on there, I think they said like security cameras aren't on there yet. Um, vacuum, like robot vacuums aren't yeah, on there yet. But they'll come. They'll but come. you got to think, think of, I mean, if you type in... <laughs> smart home devices how many thousands of, of right. things will pop up and yeah. and that's what's cool about <laughs> this is because you know we've talked about this before i have home assistant in my home i have you know over 100 100 and some smart devices in my home and i have to you know i have 30 over 30 smart home apps on my phone and it it's nice to be able to go okay someday soon Fingers crossed, I can just log on to, to Matter or, or whatever it is, and and boom, everything just meshes together, and I can control everything. And you can have more of a mixed ecosystem, hopefully, right. that will be able to work together. Because right now, I mean, it's, it's it's getting better, but certain things just don't work with certain platforms. Yeah, because that they're built on different standards, and they don't know how to talk to each other. Right. So this will help standardize that, and we talked about this at at nauseum before. But this this standard, the one that I know part of it, it's now certified. It's open. It's been released. Um, the official launch event is scheduled for, for November third. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to do like some kind of 
like live stream or something. I I didn't maybe, see anything on maybe that. Maybe like a demonstration. That would be. Cool. Um, but because that's going to be released, but there's already some. A lot of these companies like Samsung and Apple and Google, they've already been participating in this for a long time, over a year at least, because we talked about it a long time ago. So they've already got devices that have been testing with. They've been testing with them. So they they know what they need to do to make them work, and they can actually release them pretty quickly. And some of the devices that are already been released, like certain smart speakers and stuff, it would saying they will be able to be upgraded to support Matter as well. Not everything, but some of the newer stuff, like the newest Amazon uh, smart speakers and stuff, will already support this from an up from an upgrade, which is cool. So they can act as Matter hubs and relays. Um, pretty soon, like in the next couple of months. So what's this going to do to HomeKit? Because like right now, isn't HomeKit very specific to devices that are HomeKit supported? Yes, but you can, like, I don't have, I mean, I use an old iPad as my HomeKit hub, and then my Home Assistant kind of spoofs into that. into that, like a backdoor, whatever. I mean, kind of kind of cobble it together. In it some works. Respects. It works okay, but Apple, I think, needs to get off their high horse, and you know, you know how Apple standards are. So even with Matter, my Google Home Max is not going to be able to be seen by HomeKit. Yeah, no, um, it would. Everything was maybe. Going. Yeah, if not, even if they. So and that's another thing too is like there's. A part of the standard, there's a whole security framework, and there's a whole network protocol framework. Like there's like a mesh network protocol. Remember we talked about that? It's like a whole new. I forget what it's called. It's in here. We'll see it in a second. But even if they don't necessarily know about each other or want right. to work work with each other, they can still relay part of the framework. So they can still be like a mesh relay or a networking relay even if they're not directly participating or supporting that device. So so the matter the matter framework is all going to be local. Yeah, it so doesn't need, it doesn't need ha- any internet it connectivity. It doesn't need internet connectivity or anything. So whatever device you have has that local hub so and that's basically work. what like I'm trying to do with 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 home assistant is to become if my if my internet goes out it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, see, see. <laughs> because my stuff still works locally. Gotcha. Now the other stuff still it says in here somewhere where they can still talk to the cloud to get their updates and whatnot. Right now it will work better with the cloud, but right. it doesn't have to have have it. the cloud because um, you're you're local. So, you're trying to do everything. So the locally. thing should actually work a little bit faster you're because not you're, rela- local, you're not you're yes. not relaying through the cloud right. through a server somewhere. Yeah. So the new um, connectivity standard is called Thread. That's what it's using. Hmm. So this first came about back so in 2019. Matter, is Matter a needle? Oh. And it uses Thread? <laughs> so they said the idea first came about in 2019. And since then, which you know, no one ever thought this was actually going to happen, you have Apple, Google, Amazon, and Samsung are the biggest players. There's, there's other ones. They actually all came together and agreed upon the standard and agreed to support this standard, which is awesome. Um, then you have people like Yale, Schlage. How do you say that? Is Slage. 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 
um, and Philips Hue and GE Lighting and all the smart device manufacturers, like they're coming on board now because they see the big ones. I mean, if you get Apple, Google, Amazon, and Samsung all together on something, I mean, most of them are going to fall along because they want to work with that stuff. Um, but, you know, it's been a couple of years, and fi- they finally agreed upon it. They've, they've ironed it out. They've tested devices, and the certification has been released. There's an SDK. Um, companies can actually start uh, manufacturing, upgrading, and getting the official stamp of approval for their devices. So now you're going to see this stuff in the store when you buy it. When it in the box, it's going to say, you know, matter supported or supports matter. I mean, I don't know what they're going to say exactly, but you'll, you're going to start seeing this mm. pretty heavily going forward with smart home stuff. That's exciting. Um, yeah, so the event, the launch event is scheduled for November 3rd. They will likely have some of these early products on show. The invitation indicates there will be a demo area where companies can showcase their Matter certified pro- products. So I'm, I'm assuming The Verge is going to be there, but I don't remember it saying where this is going to be. So it's probably not like, it's probably just press and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's a universal connectivity standard designed to make smart home devices simpler. Uh, by giving your door lock and light bulb a way to talk directly to each other over Wi-Fi or a newer pro- protocol called Thread, which is, remember that was a super low power, super efficient. Mm. It could be relayed very easily, um, which will help make smart homes faster and more responsive and more secure, which it talks about later on. Um, it should also enable an easier setup process with compatible devices automatically showing up in your smartphone to allow you to connect them. Plus, because it's a common language that's local to your home and doesn't rely on the cloud, the devices can be controlled by more than one smart home ecosystem or voice assistant, which is cool because some things just work better with others, other, some voice assistants over the other, others, especially like routines and things like that. Um, it isn't a quick fix, however, because the spec only covers limited number of device categories. So, like I said... Um, at launch, you're talking about light bulbs, light fixtures, smart plugs, switches, thermostats, HVAC controls, um, smart shades, smart sensors, connected locks, and media devices, including TVs. But some, like, security camera, there's a lot of things that aren't on there yet, but they'll, they'll come. Right. Um, so the first rollout include includes matter control controllers and bridges, which are d- devices such as Google Next, Nest Home uh, Max, and Amazon Echo smart speakers. They can both act as a conduit for devices to talk to each other and as an interface for you to control your devices using voice or a touchscreen interface. Um, smartphone apps such as Google Home and Apple Home, the Apple Home app will also be Matter controllers. Bridges can also be Matter certified to bring their connected products into the Matter ecosystem. For example, Signify, owner of Philips Hue, has said its smart lighting control bridge will act can be upgraded to act as a matter controller without the lights being updated. So the lights are still going to use Zigbee or whatever, right. but the controller can run matter and act and, and relay that information for the newer devices that support matter. Yeah. Which I'm assuming they're at some point, like I'm not buying anything no. for, for until all the, the new stuff starts coming out well, because I mean, it's all going to be. You different. were, you were in the same boat as me with the smart <clears throat> things crap. Yeah, I mean, I I just I just I just did away with all my smart things, Hank, because they stopped supporting it. They right? start stop supporting it. And they were like, "Oh, you got to buy this new hub, and then you got to buy all this new and stuff." And I bought the new hub, and I got like a 
Yeah. Right, you got a discount. A little bit, right, but, but so it'd be like sixty bucks for it. Yeah. So hopefully, in the near future, if all of your smart speakers could act as hubs, then you don't need all those right. other hubs anymore. And especially if you have two or three smart speakers on different floors, yeah, that's or, all, that's or perfect. if you have like fourteen smart. Or hopefully, like Ubiquity will make their Unify stuff yes. matter compliant. And what if the access points could be matter hubs? It'd be awesome. Then you're done. Then you're totally wow. connected. Then you're done. Hey, you listening, uh, Ubiquity? Um, they may not care. <laughs> so it's also designed to secure, be secure using technology that ensures devices have to confirm who they are and where they are from or where they're from before being allowed on the network. In terms of privacy, Matter operates entirely locally over IP, but it but it doesn't rely on an internet connection to run. However, it's designed to talk to the cloud easily. Of course, you know certain things you're going to want to be able to do that. Uh, but the the conversations are controlled by the ecosystem app or device that you use. In turn, governed by their individual privacy policies. So it will still be important to only use devices and services from companies you trust with your data. Um, like, can you really trust anybody? You can't. No. I mean, no. I I guarantee. So. If if you start delving into this stuff, ninety percent of the smart bulbs on the market use Tua. Yeah, especially the cheaper ones, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody. I mean, I have a a Tua de, uh, dev app account because. What is what is your LEDs use again? What technology do those use? Those those use WLED, which WLED. is an open source. But is that the communications protocol and everything too? Or is that just the program? That's just piece? the programming piece. They just use regular like Wi Fi. They just use the Wi Fi and the controllers or Bluetooth. Uh, so, but now I forget where I was going. Sorry, with. Tua. That, Tua. So, you know, most of my Tua I've already, you know, soldered into the to the bulb itself and and changed it so I can only do it locally, and it doesn't actually reach out to the Tua hub anymore. On most of my most of my smart devices, just huh. because it, it is a Chinese company, who knows what they're doing with our our yeah. our information there. So it, it's I I don't know. It's someday soon we will have everything we need to have that whole smart home. You will have one ring to rule them all. Yeah, there you go. That, <laughs> and it's going to be matter. <laughs> it will be matter. From NVIDIA.com. So, uh, as some of you may have heard, they released the GeForce RTX 4000 line of cards. There is some controversy, but uh, over the 4080s, because they released two different versions of the 4080s. Instead of releasing, normally what they would do is they would do a 4080 and a 4070. And then they would have, like, different memory configurations, different number of cores. There's no 4070 right now. It's just a 4090 and then two versions of the 4080. So there's the 24 gig of memory 4090. Then there's a 12 gig 4080 and an 8 gig, I think, 8 gig 4080. Hmm. And, and a lot of people are mad because, like, that 8 gig 4080 is basically what a, thir- a 3070 would have been. It should have been a, a 4070, but... They're charging, so you got like sixteen hundred for the forty ninety. I think it was twelve hundred for the forty eighty twelve gig, and then like eight hundred or seven hundred for the forty eighty eight gig. And the thirty seventy, which was traditionally like a six or eight gig card, with similar core counts and stuff to the the lower end forty eighty, was usually like a six hundred dollar card. Mm. So everybody's like, "Oh, they're just doing it so they can charge more." Maybe, I mean. 
I don't know why they didn't release a 4070. That just makes no sense to me. Instead of two different versions of the 4080, you're just confusing people. Because people go to buy a 4080 and they don't realize there's two different ones. It's a big difference in the number of cores, not even the memory, but the core architecture. They sh- it should have been a 4070, not a f- hmm. two different. Like I don't know why they did that. It's ridiculous. People are pissed off about it. I don't blame them. Well, I mean, you're going to get the people that are like, oh, look at this good deal I got on this car. And then realize it's and the lower end version. The lower end version and be like, yeah. crap. But hmm. I wanted to focus on the 4090. It's their new flagship car that's coming out October 12th. Um, 1600 bucks for the Founders Edition, which is the one you see pictured here. Um, I have a 3090. I don't have the 3090 Ti. I just have the regular 3090. I have the EVGA for the Win 3. Been a great card, other than I did get a. <laughs> when I was playing New World for the first time, it uh there was there wasn't any issue with New World per se, but it was just it was the first thing that I guess drove the card hot enough. There was an issue with the batch that I had because I got a very early batch back in December of twenty one. Yeah, December twenty one was my batch. I guess some of the capacitors or something on there didn't. You know, the QC was bad on them and. My, my my screen just went black. You could still hear sound, so I rebooted the computer. As soon as I hit the power button on the computer, you hear this pop. Oh, wow. It's just one of those capacitors. And I have a, actually have a video of it because since I have two PCs set up, my streaming PC was not impacted, so it was, like, recording this the whole time. So I, I was still on camera, still talking on the mic, still could hear the oh, game I audio. I remember that now. But just didn't have any picture. And... Like you couldn't hear the pop on my mic because it, you know, wasn't close enough. But I was like, "Oh, what was that?" And it pretty much just fried the card. But RMA didn't didn't have to pay anything. They covered it. Sent me a new card. It's been fine ever since. Hmm. But now there's been some controversy with EVGA. They're not they're no longer making uh, Nvidia cards. So if I get a 4090, you have to be from like you know ASUS or one of the other vendors. I don't usually get the Founders Edition cards. Not that there's anything wrong with them. I just wait. Usually wait for the aftermarket third-party cards because, like you see here, this it's one fan, which the original the thirty ninety was also one fan design. Um, I just think that the the third-party cards they they put more fans on them. They're better cooled, and they usually will do some kind of factory overclocking on them, so you get a little bit more for your money without having to overclock it yourself. So mm. I'm just gonna wait and. Maybe get um, like the Asus RG one or Asus Strix or something like that. But anyway, so it's a brand new architecture. It's the Lovelace architecture. It says up to two times. It's the Ada Lovelace architecture, rather, not just Lovelace. It's Ada Lovelace, which you guys remember who that is, right? She was one of the mathematicians on the Apollo missions. Mm-hmm. Um, so up to two times performance and power efficiency. Um, I believe over the 3090 Ti, which is the latest card before this one, up to two two times AI performance and up to two times ray tracing performance. Um, and I think if you go to this next section, yeah, so it's ca- talking about all the new enhancements and things like that, which these these have been there for a while. Yeah, so 3090 Ti is the gray, and the 4090 is the green. <laughs> now. Like the first two, I can see that. I mean, you're yeah, definitely almost two x for Microsoft Flight Simulator and Warhammer. But the Cyberpunk one, it says new RT overdrive, so I think that's more that's a new technology that they have for this card. 
So this is kind of skewed because, I mean, come on, 4X? Like, it, it and I think it's the DLSS, uh, next-gen DLSS that they're using, which is like an AI processor that can get you maximum frame rates without really dropping the quality much. So that one's a little questionable. Like, I, I want to see the actual benchmarks when... So I, I think I've seen some videos today. I didn't watch anything, but people were starting to get the cards. Oh, wow. And then doing unboxings and stuff. But I don't think they're allowed to release anything. I think there's a, I think there's probably street dated for the 12th or something. So yeah. we probably won't see any, like, official. So they're, they're giving them time to do the benchmarking and to run them through their paces and do all so that So on stuff. the 12th, you're going to just see a slew of videos drop on More YouTube. than likely, I think, yeah. Embargo is going to be lifted Either the or 12th or right, maybe the 10th. Like, I don't know what the date is, but oh. in the next week, we're going to see everybody, all the big tech tubers are going to be releasing the their their findings. So so Lioness is going to test this on his arc. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this was pretty cool. So did you ever play Portal? No. So this is a PC game. This piece this got to be 10, 10 plus years old, around 10 years old. But Portal it's a it was a it was a Valve game. Like Half-Life. You remember I mean Half-Life. You guys have heard of Half-Life. Yeah. But so this is the next version of ray tracing. But the cool thing is, is like they they're going back and they're putting it into some of the older games. So the left is what the game normally looks like. So let's go all the way over here. This is what like this game normally looks like. But then when you add the new ray tracing technology with the four thousand series, and I don't think you can get this in the three thousand series that I'm aware of. It's only four thousand. Like you can see, like the detail that it adds. Yeah. I mean, it's not crazy, but like the water detail and like the yeah. like around the portals. Um, just the lighting effects. No, well, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Like, and like I said, this is an old game. Like, this isn't a, even a brand new game. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, oh, here's the, uh, this one is, um, this is, uh, Cyberpunk. So the left is ray tracing on, but DLSS off, which is, it's dynamic. Lighting, scale, I don't remember what exactly it stands for. I don't think it says it in here, but it's the newest version of this in the 4000 series cards. It's DLSS 3. So basically, by just turning on this one setting, they're able to go from 22 frames a second to over 80 frames a second. Well, even 90 in this. I mean, and it doesn't look, I, I, I can't, like, at this, at this size, I don't see much of a difference in the graphics quality. Deep learning, super sampling. Super sampling. Deep learning, super sampling. So that's completely mm. wrong. So it's all AI-based. But it, So it kind of what it does is it's looking ahead at the frames, and it's looking where it can optimize them to make the frame rate higher. And it's doing it in real time. The, oh. they, like it'll take a subsection of the CUDA cores or whatever cores is part of that architecture. I think they might have – I don't know. I don't think they're dedicated, but they may be um, – but it's able to look ahead and determine we can take pixels from here or here because of whatever it's a dark area like and put, apply them where they're more noticeable wow. to increase <laughs> it's crazy like from 22 to almost 100 and this is 4K resolution so 3840 by 2160 with the new ray tracing overdrive mode that's crazy that they can get that kind of performance out of something. I want. I'm. I'm really. I was really surprised to see that they had the name 
Tensor. Isn't that what the Google? Isn't that what Google's new architecture did is? They have, is did, Tensor? You see, did you see Tensor in here? Yeah, I thought it was uh, up a wee bit. Yeah, fourth gen Tensor, Tensor cores. cores. That must be a coincidence. Oh, surprised they're both kind well, of well Tensor cores, but I think the Google. What is the Google? Is it Tensor, Tensor chip? chip? Tensor chip. Tensor chip. Yeah. Maybe Tensor is the, a particular type of technology. That's why mm. they called it that. Mm. That's the only thing I can think of. Darren's going to look it up. Yep. It's just crazy. Like, it can be that much faster over a 3090. Like, it's ridiculous. And I mean, and pretty much all the technologies that were built into the 3000 series cars are just improved, if not doubled. And And didn't we, well, not, we didn't go over it, but you would have seen this. When the 3090 came out over the previous generations, didn't you basically kind of have like these same? Oh yeah, it was a huge. It was a huge leap too. About? Yeah, it was a huge leap too. And, and we're talking a year later, and they've yeah yearish blown the previous. How? How are you getting better? So, is a man, lot of it it's just science? <laughs> is a lot of it just the AI part of it? You think? So I don't think it was. I don't think it was their keynote. So NVIDIA does their, they have a big convention every year too, which I think theirs was like three weeks ago. It wasn't this past one, but I think the last year's before when they released the 3090 or after they released the 3090, their CEO was talking about how they are now using AI to help design the chips hmm. because it can iterate so much faster than humans. I mean, they have that big-ass supercomputer we've talked about mm-hmm. before. Yep. They're basically modeling the chip efficiency and the core efficiency and the layout and the memory architecture through their supercomputer. Wow. To pump out these. Like, what I want to know, are they holding back on us? Like, could it even be better than this and but, they're kind of throttling the technology because they don't want to make too big of a leap? No. Or the motherboards and right. everything else everything can't support can't it support yet? support it. So at what point are we just going to be able to buy an Nvidia chip and not a processor? Like when will the Nvidia chip be able to run your system without an Intel or any, that's when AMD and Intel are going to be like, "Ooh." So mm. so tensor- how, I mean how much how much more difficult would it be for them to add another chip to do the processing functionality? Would it be wavy or rippled? Probably ripple barbecue, okay. maybe maybe sweet, <laughs> maybe sour onion or so, sour cream and onion. So it says tensor cores <laughs> are specialized cores that enable mixed precision training. Okay, so so it's not anything specific to them. It's not a copyright. No, thing. it's it's just it's from what I read here, it's just a learning core. Hmm. It says the first generation of specialized cores do so through a fixed multiple add compilation. This allows two four by four FP16 matrices floating point to, to be multiplied and added to 4 by 4 F16 or a FP32 matrix. Okay. So it's kind of like a coprocessor almost yeah. like remember the old Intel coprocessors. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. That's what I want to know is like when are we going to get to the point where I mean hell even AMD and Intel like when are they going to make like one chip that just rules the, like you put in this chip and it does everything. Like Intel can kind of like Intel has those built-in graphics parts of some of their chips, but they're not like anything near like an NVIDIA or AMD card. But Um, why is it thermal? 
I think it probably is a little. I bit mean, of when that. you look at the video card, isn't isn't a lot of that? Yeah. Thermal regulation. Yeah, but if you but if you could, uh, really, what needs to happen is you need to someone Nvidia or Intel or AMD needs to divine, design a whole new architecture. Didn't like, Apple they need do to, that though with the M1? Well, yeah, I think they did because <laughs> they designed they designed the chip, and then you design all of the the the, the architecture around the chip. That's what I'm saying. It's like it would almost take Nvidia designing their in, a full silicon on a SOC. Mm-hmm. So they would have to say, okay, they would have to design the motherboard, the bus architecture, the memory architecture, maybe even the memory. They would have because I mean they're putting memory on the cards, like. They could do that. They could say, okay, we're just going to sell you this system, this board that has the graphics, the CPU, the memory. Everything's already on there. Now, you may not may not be able to upgrade it, but right. look at it. Like, you can't upgrade laptops, really. I mean, maybe you, you might be able to add a memory or, or a drive or upgrade drive. a bigger drive, but does it really matter at this point? Like, if they could just sell you an NVIDIA board that had all of this stuff already on it. But it would be a substantial leap in technology. Oh, yeah. Like, I, th- I think there'd be plenty of people that would buy that. I would buy it. I, I would buy that. Especially if the only thing you had to do was plug in a power supply, storage, fans, you know, your cooling or whatever, and then you're done because everything else is already on Right. There. I mean, you don't have to... You don't have to go through and source this, this, yeah. and this. And if and it's this. 10 times faster... And, and then think okay. about... Think about the size of the cases you have. I mean, if if I could have a brick that was this big and be able to do everything off of it. Because if everything's integrated, you don't need PCI slots. Just think about where we come from a cell phone. You wouldn't need PCI slots if the video card and everything was already integrated because that's the only thing you normally plug into. Right. Not everybody. Some people still use expansion cards for storage. I have a capture card that's using a PCI slot. But that could be USB. Yeah. It could be USB-C. It could be Lightning. Or it could be integrated, It too. could be, it, yeah. Like, you don't need to plug into the motherboard mm. nowadays. I mean, the only thing that you would have to get off of that is to have... You might be on to something. USB-C or... They're probably working on it already. Yeah. <laughs> Still a cool idea. I mean... If I get fired from my current job, I'm going to go work for NVIDIA. Okay. <laughs> or Intel. Or... All right, last up we have from Samsung.com is their new Odyssey Arc 55-inch gaming monitor. It is a 4K UHD, 165 hertz refresh rate, one millisecond gray-to-gray response time. It's pretty good. And it's a quantum mini-LED curved. It's a 1,000R. So the the higher the number, the more curved it is. So, like, you've got some things that are like, what's that? I think that one Samsung they make is like an 1,800R. So it's like got a super curve to it. You've got some things that are only like a six or an eight hundred. So this is a thousand, um, and it's fifty-five inches. Um, but the cool thing is, is like you can you know, you can flip it into portrait mode or or landscape mode, and it changes its orientation and ha- the way you can divide up the screens and everything. I don't know. Is this a video? I don't think there's a play button there. Make sure I'm we're muted, right? We are. this as we're talking about it but um yeah a lot of people have been reviewing this i think linus and a bunch of other words uh, marquez <clears throat> it's super cool like 55 inches for a monitor though 
But I guess if you take into consideration, if you have multiple monitors, like this is down to one, so right. it's not that far fetched. Um, the cro- the controller's pretty cool. Um, the things you can do with that is that it. The base, the base plate, seventeen seconds. The base that holds yeah, it is thirty five um, pounds. <laughs> so it's got a um, uh, wow, personal gaming theater. So it has it's called an enhanced sound dome. Um, which I believe it's Dolby um, for immersive sound. So it's actually got like drivers and bass, uh, bass built into it. Um, of course, talked about the refresh rate and everything like that. It's FreeSync Premium Pro, which is AMD. I wish it was. I think I, I think that'll support some NVIDIA cards. I think they're kind of backwards. I wish it was NVIDIA, honestly, like G-Sync Ultimate, but I, I understand. You usually got to go one or the other. Um, and then, like, on the left, you can see, like, where they have it in uh, portrait mode, and they've got the three – it's basically, like, three 27-inch screens almost. And then the arc dial, that's what you can use to, like, change things around and things like that. Yeah, um, some of the videos that have been put out of this are just, like, mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, Um, yeah, so uh, I think this is a little over-dramatized because 120 hertz is still pretty good. Yeah, You're not going to see that kind that of ghosting. Blur, yeah. Maybe 120 hertz, 5 milliseconds, but it's still, like, it would be noticeable if we put them side by side, but most people probably aren't going to notice from 125 milliseconds to 165, 1 millisecond. Yeah, if you're going from 60 hertz to 165, yes. <laughs> but so I, I think that's a little, a little over-dramatized, but, um... Yeah, so they can see the curve here, which it's pretty dramatic, mm-hmm. um, especially if you have it in that, that uh, portrait mode. Um, how long is this one? Another 17-second video probably in front of this thing. Yeah, there you go. So you can see them flipping it. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty significant curve. Yeah. And it's got the built-in lighting. That's The built-in cool. lighting. The, the stand, like I think they said that the video I watched, it was like thirty five pounds or yeah, something. Yeah, the the stand was thirty five pounds. The whole the whole thing is like over one hundred and ten pounds. It's crazy. Oh my god. Yeah. So it says four corner speakers and two central woofers produce a sixty watt two point two point two channel with the lowest forty five hertz notes of any gaming screen or soundboard. I want to see. I want to forty five is pretty yeah. respectable from a monitor. AI sound booster and Dolby Atmos make it take it to the next level. Surround you in a three dimensional. Uh, soundscape teleports inside the game world, like that's pretty cool for a monitor. Like not having to have a soundbar or anything, and it be and it's Dolby Atmos. I'm, right. Like I wonder how is there something up firing or is it just the way they're projected out? I don't know. So had you known this was coming, because I feel like that new monitor was released and talked about before this was released, mm. would you have got this instead of that new monitor? No. <laughs> Because it's, he could buy two of those monitors for the price of almost, that. but that's fifty five inches. So here's my here's hey, my rationale. Matt, size does not matter. <laughs> and here's here's why. So this is not HDR. That's oh, number one. It's not. Yeah, it's, no, it's not mini HDR. LED. It's mini LED. Oh yeah, yours is OLED. So it's n- there's no HDR, and which I'd say it's probably comparable, but it's it's not going to be the it's not going to have the same HDR as yeah, this does. True. The other thing, too, is that it, it, being 55 inches, it's fine as long as you can split them up. But here's the thing, and I've watched a couple of videos on this. Maybe they'll update this in a firmware. It could be a, it could be an actual physical hardware limitation. I don't know. 
because um, it hasn't no, like nobody's dug. In, I haven't seen anything that's dug in far enough into that yet. So you can have your computer plugged into it, right? But then you can also you can cast your phone and set that up as a small as another screen. But it's also a smart TV, so it has like the smart TV apps and stuff. So you would think like Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max, like you could pop those up in a window. Nope. You you they full screen only. Oh. So you can scale down your computer input to different sizes and then put other things around that. If it's all on your computer, like you can you can do the model, you can do like window layouts and have all kinds of different applications and stuff open. But if you want to use more than one device, the only thing that it will it has very a very few and I don't even remember what they were, but there's only a very few apps that will let you do um, split like true split screen. Uh, you can cast from your phone as one, but if you have a gaming console, nope, huh. that doesn't work in split screen mode. Like you can't have your PC and your gaming console both on there at the same time. Oh, I hmm. don't know if it's a hardware limitation. I, I'm sure in the future there'll be a workaround. And it, it could be like a refresh rate thing. Like you can't do mixed refresh rates or something. Oh, I don't know. That, that makes, makes sense. sense. But so what? So whatever the lowest refresh rate is, default everything to that. Yeah. Oh. That's how you solve it. But like I would want if I could hook both of my PCs up to that and split them, like have one one on top, one on the monitor or bottom, and be able to move them around. That that would be cool. But you can't do that. Hmm. Only one input on the Physical input yeah. can be active at once. To me, that's that's a severe limitation gotcha. to what this could be capable of. But but if you're using everything off of one system, right. you can have a ton of different layouts. But on it, also, if you were a gamer living in a small apartment, if you were using this as your main entertainment right. TV, yeah, I I can yeah. see totally. I would for thirty would for thirty three hundred dollars. I don't it, know. It's, yeah, it's a bit steep. It's a little high end, but because you could buy a really nice fifty five inch OLED TV for like eight hundred bucks. Yeah. And yeah, you can't flip it like this and do the different like what if this, you you're know, splitting in, up the display? What if you're in a three hundred square foot? apartment in new york and that's all you could do well but, but again like <laughs> you could buy a really nice oled like not that you would want to use a 55 inch oled for a computer monitor right for text like if you were gaming on it fine but you right. wouldn't want to read text off of it all no. day like if you're doing emails and spreadsheets and word docs and stuff like that it wouldn't be the best but i think that it ha there's a market for it um i would definitely use one of these for my productivity in my office like if i could like if it was like fifteen hundred bucks, because I paid about thirteen hundred dollars for my forty nine inch Dell, right? Which is basically like a three twenty two inch screens, but it's ultra ultra wide instead of like this format. Mm -hmm. um, like I would use this for that because I would have I could have almost I could have six different windows instead of three, because um, the, the the Dell Display Manager will let you divide it up kind of like this does, but anything smaller than three and it's just too small. Mm. This though, you because it's 4K, you could do six screens and it would be fine. Like I would definitely use it for something like that if it wasn't so expensive. Would I use it in portrait mode? I don't know. Yeah. The one guy that I the watch that was talking about like what you couldn't couldn't run as a second you know secondary inputs and stuff. He was using it in in portrait mode mostly, and uh, but he was using it for productivity stuff. 
not necessarily. And if he was gaming on it, he was just like shrinking it down to like the smaller part, bottom part. Mm. But like, that's my biggest pet peeve with it is not being able to have multiple physical inputs displayed yeah, at the same time. That is kind of weird. I mean, me personally, I mean, I don't, I don't game that often, but just even the, the size monitor I have now, just gaming on it, it's, it's, it's too much for me. Yeah. But I don't game that. I mean, I could understand if you game a lot and you have that full immersive, like if you're doing well, that, first person a thousand R kind of, yeah. I mean, it definitely wraps around. So that that's helpful. I mean, first person shooter would be awesome because you're, you could see stuff that you normally couldn't I'm see. I'm sorry. It does have HDR 10. It has HDR. It's just not OLED. I'm sorry. So it is HDR capable. Sorry. It's just not OLED. So I, I bet it's I bet it's close with the yeah. mini LED or quantum. I'd like to LED. see them side by side. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of sold on OLED after looking at your TV and and the 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 blacks that I see off of that. It's just mm-hmm. it. I mean the 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 arc dial is really cool. Like being able to do that, resize windows, and everything on the fly, and set up different layouts. Like that is super cool. Not have to fiddle with the menu on the on the mm-hmm. display itself, mm-hmm. and and that thing's wireless, which is super cool. Um, and it also has that solar solar battery, doesn't it? Yeah, it does yeah. charge in the remote and the arc dial. Both are solar. Yeah. So they'll you don't you shouldn't have to charge them. Like, let's see what the second version of this. Like, if they if the second version comes out and you're able to do multiple inputs, like I think more people would buy it. You would they would have more of a market, but. I mean, it's still badass. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not a cool thing, but for the price and not being able to do multiple inputs, eh, like, but I would definitely use it for a productivity monitor for my office setup for sure. If it, if it was about fifteen, sixteen hundred bucks, not, not, I'm not paying thirty three hundred. Yeah, but give it. I mean, look, look at what we used to pay for a a fifty five inch. I mean, oh, yeah. just give it a few years and. And everything gets cut and pat, cut in half almost. Then they'll come out with the OLED version of it. That'll be the same price as the yeah. mini LED was when it came out. Oh, here's one of the reviews. I was so I was actually on here looking at this yesterday. So, this, it says it says that um, seamlessly having a gaming monitor and smart TV all in one, all at once. The best you can hope for is a gaming monitor or a smart TV, but neither at the same time. It says um, apps you cannot use in multi-view. Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Twitch, Xbox Game Pass, streaming. Literally any media app that would be useful to have alongside something else. You're using apps that you, you in multi-view. A Samsung Live TV, Tizen built into the internet browser, YouTube screens mirrored from a phone or computer. That's it. Like 800 character limit. Review, oh, that must be, there's only 800 character limit in the review. Basically, he's saying, like, anything you would probably want to use as a secondary input, you can't. Hmm. And uh, Now, granted, you can open a browser window to Netflix or Disney or Twitch. But his point is, is like, you know, you have a smart TV, like a Samsung smart TV. They have all those apps built in. You should be able to open those up in a window that's using the built-in processor of the TV and not your PC. Like, I get it. Like, why can't they do that? And, again, it could be they can't, you know, because Netflix isn't going to run at 165 hertz. I mean, it, if it'll run in a browser, I mean, it has to have some kind of adaptive technology. Right. 
I don't know. Maybe they'll update it to where it can do that, or the next version will be able to do that. That's what I would. That would be really cool. Because like, if you could have like an Xbox, a PlayStation, and a PC hooked up, and have all, and had it in have it in portrait view, and have all three of them on at the same time. You all of a sudden got six arms to play three game systems. No, you could have three different <laughs> people playing. Or how many times have you? You, know, you think about our LAN parties. People have used to have like Xbox LAN parties. Yeah. Everybody would bring their Xbox and a TV over. Yeah. You would wire them all together, play Halo or whatever. Well, now you could hook up three Xboxes to the same this TV and have three separate twenty-seven inch screens or whatever. So everybody has their own screen. Like, but you can't do that for currently. It mm. won't let you display more than one physical input. I don't know. Is I think that if they could do that and add that fe- feature and functionality, it'd be cool. Just think about like a bar or a restaurant being able to have one of these and display three different things, mm-hmm. three different three different TV channels. That's cool. Takes picture and picture to the now. You don't need level. a you, you don't need a hundred R curve on something like that. But well, then maybe they'll make this hundred R curve that flexible like that other other monitor, mm-hmm. and then you can just the go, Corsair one. The Corsair one. Yeah, I, that seems super gimmicky to me. <laughs> Like I'd be afraid. Like I'd I'm be- so afraid I'd crack that thing after getting the bad one the first time that I would not. I would never move it. <laughs> cool. I don't know the videos I've seen. They've been pretty rough with that thing. Pulling it. And yeah, it'd be interesting it to see how durable that is long term. All right. Thank you for joining us for episode 48. And uh, hopefully, um, you didn't miss us too much over our uh, summer hiatus. Glad to be back. Glad to get back in the saddle. We got a lot of things coming up. Um, maybe do some beer review episodes. Maybe one or two before the end of the year. We we tried it. We did a holiday one last year, didn't we? Maybe maybe we'll do a stouts or a holiday one this year. At least one, maybe. Um, and then hopefully we'll have. I'd say we'll have four or five episodes possibly before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about what we're going to do for episode fifty. Um, not sure yet. May, may do a live stream for that. But um, we greatly appreciate the support. And uh, please check out DWShow.com for all of our social media links. We uh, we greatly, 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 greatly appreciate it. See you.